Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. I'm back after a long break. It's been busy, but we don't know what we're going to be talking about because today has been probably the worst day we've ever had in organising a podcast. Well, we'd had it all organised. It was all going to plan and then kaput. Fucked. It is. Yep, it was mashed up. Luckily, though, luckily, 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 we have the best Welshman ever. Better than Joe Allen. Joe Allen's cousin, Jim Fishlock. And, and the returning, and he's been on the J-Trippers already this week, Ryan McTernan. Welcome to the pod, lads. Hello, Gags. Hello, hey, Ryan. How are you doing, Good to be back on. So, we're, so we've kind of got this impromptu pod. This impromptu pod is um, probably more impromptu than the, the, the one that me and John Ritchie did uh, against the against when we beat Fulham 3-2 and we were really going mad and having a few drinks. So there was a, just a two-man pod. We've got a three-man pod today. Dave couldn't make it on having some technical difficulties. Jan couldn't make it in the end. John Ritchie's sick. Kosher couldn't cover we even asked nina she couldn't come on so it's just the three of us nice to know i was the bottom of the fucking list (laughs) (laughs) scraping the barrel ryan holy shit (laughs) oh yes you know i think he back to the park looking for that man united fan as well (laughs) ryan we thought i thought you were still looking for your smile mate you know you've been gone Uh, so long i just didn't think the pod i did it I, I did a cover of Play Girl. I was just <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> right, let's talk football, lads. So it's been absolutely mental the last few weeks. Um, from us thinking it's really quiet over the World Cup. I know we signed a couple of players beforehand, but us thinking it's going to be really quiet. All of a sudden, it's kicked off. It's kicked off, and we we look like we're going to sign everybody at the moment, Jim. Busy time of year, Nick <laughs> Um Nice to see us getting some deals done early. Um, as uh, that's usually the uh, the thing that, get, that gets Blitful fans wound up the most. Um, are they the right deals? It's up for debate, isn't it? You know, um, I've got my reservations about Leveran and Remy. Although you know, we had a chat earlier. I, I, I can I'm coming round to the the signing of Remy. I can understand a bit more. Leveran, I can't. Uh, hopefully, Moreno should should be done in the next few days. From from what I've I've been told, and obviously today um, the right back from Atletico Madrid, Manquillo, is it? I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'll be honest, and and I'll be honest again. I I don't. I've never heard of him. I've never heard of him. The the the, the funny thing for me is I've actually never. I've not watched Lovren play much. The Remy, the Remy signing, I, I like it. I like it. And I'm probably one of the guys that's in the minority. For that, from listening and reading on Twitter, especially, but I think he's the right buy. Now, there's, I mean, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the guys that were the players that we're linked with at the moment? So, the, the, obviously, we're looking at Lovren and Remy, Origi's coming in, and then there's also um, uh, uh, the Moreno deal that we're thinking is still going on, and then, then this other right back as well. So let's 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 talk about these players one by one, shall we, lads? So, okay, let's start with let's start with Loic Remy, shall we? So these, these we've got four or five players looking like they're coming in. Lloyd Remy first up. Ryan, your thoughts on that signing? What do you think? Um, I don't mind. I I really don't mind. I mean, uh, you know, like we're we're only looking for a player who's going to be able to come off the bench for us. 
Um, I think he's proven relatively well that he, he will come on and he'll score. He did well at Newcastle. He did okay in the six months or five months he was with QPR. I mean, there's not a whole lot that is... I mean, I know myself and Jim spoke about it uh, about a week ago. He asked me who would I prefer, Remy or Barini, and... Like, I don't know. I mean, I think Remy has some qualities. I mean, if you want someone to just come on and get you a goal, he looks a lot more likely to do it than Barini, in my in my opinion. Um, the only thing I'm kind of concerned about is that, you know, we've all heard about the wages and what he's going to be on. I don't think they'll be that high. It's it's the five-year contract that keeps throwing me. I mean, he's 27, turning 28 pretty soon within the year. I, I don't really know. But, I mean, five years for, for him, like, all it takes is one bad year. If he has a bad year and he's on you know, big-ish wages, like, what are we going to do then? Like, that would be one thing now that would be a bit of a negative. There's also been the other stuff, you know, the off-field stuff, maybe for another day. But I, I think on the pitch, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm I'm pretty happy with him, to be honest. I think you raised a couple of points there. So the first one, you're saying after, well, a couple. So the second one was the off-the-field stuff. You're talking about his wages also and the five years. I mean, Jim, you're, if you want to answer some of those and maybe have your point of view as well from to just a discussion point of view, the five-year, if it's, it's rumoured a five-year deal, um, and then obviously the wages and, and, and his off-the-field problems, what, what, what's your point, what's your opinion on all those things? And then obviously your own opinion on Remy as well, please. Well, I think the off-the-field things with regards to, obviously, I know he's had some trouble. He was arrested um, on suspicion of, of a, a sexual assault, wasn't he? That is, you know, with, with my background on a previous job and the job I've gone now, that's a difficult subject to talk about. You know, it, it's notoriously difficult to to prove or disprove. So I think, you know, we'd be very brave or foolish to go into that right now, especially on a podcast. That's a sort of conversation for, for another day and probably people are a bit more clued up than, than myself anyway. Um, with regards to the five-year deal, you know, it's, it's very Newcastle-esque, isn't it? Um, ideally, he's 28 January. So ideally, I'd be looking at a three-year deal with the option of maybe another year. Um, you know, he's been bought for the here and now, hasn't he? Um He's been bought because Rogers believes that if we are going to play with a, a two-man strike force or he's going to come off the bench to sort of get a goal, he's a better bet than Barini. Personally, I thought that's why we bought in Lambert. Um, so I am surprised that we, this move for Remy has, has come about. Perhaps it's come about because the Sunderland offer was just too good um, to turn down and maybe it was a toss-up earlier on in the season between Remy and Lambert, and we decided to go for Lambert, you know. So maybe we fall sort of had a, a bit of a fallback and gone for Remy. His, his strike rate is is impressive um, in France. It's not too bad in in England, but people say you know he, he's an he's an excellent goal scorer. I just had a look. At, I've just had a, a quick scan of of his stats from sort of the last eighteen months or so. He scores a goal every two and a half games, but I think it's important to to bear in mind that that is. He starts the majority of games for the teams he's played for, and um, he was playing through the through the middle. Uh, last season, he tailed off quite quite dramatically. You think he got fourteen goals for Newcastle in twenty six games, I think it was, but he only scored three goals in two thousand and fourteen, and he didn't score another goal. Uh, he didn't score a goal mm. after the first of March, and that coincided with him being played out wide. Um, all very well if Newcastle had a striker as good as Daniel Sturridge. You could say, well, yeah, he got to fit in somewhere. Got to get him in the team. But they had, uh, you know, Papis Cisse and no goals Luke de Jong up front. So 
I can't quite work out why he got shifted out there. I, I mean, I, I, we talked about this earlier, but this is a really good point. I think the difference between Newcastle and Liverpool is the way we play football. We play football, uh, we had two strikers up front playing in a you know, very fluid last season. And I know Luis Suarez is, cannot be replaced, cannot be compared to Loic Remy. Okay? I'm not doing that. What I'm, what I'm saying is, we're a different side where I think we can fit him in and he can probably play you know to his strengths in the team and interchange with with Sterling and with Sturridge and 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 fit that that mold and I've I've been watching Remy play for a while and I mean we were linked to him when he was playing for um, was it Nice was it and um and he he was strong he looked really good at the time and and he he's got a certain finesse you know he's, he's 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 there's a certain finesse with him and he's was it Marseille? It might have been Marseille actually, but he he can he can finish really well. He can he can score off the volleys. I've seen him score volleys. I've seen, his heading ability is excellent. He can um, is good at one on ones. You know there's there's a lot about him that's good. He's got pace also, and um, he's he, personally I think he's a good player. His stats in the Premier League are 40 games started, 20 goals. You can't you can't really argue with that playing for um, QPR and Newcastle, who aren't the most creative of sides. Imagine what he would be like in a side that's actually blooming creative like we are. And and I know we've lost Suarez. It's 100, uh, 172 odd, whatever it was that um, Enzo said on the ladies on the um, Liver Birds pod uh, in two years. But what we've done is we've gone and got someone like. Lalana, who, who who created seventy odd chances in for Southampton, he'll if he plays every game, he'll create more uh, for Liverpool. Now, then we've also got Lambert. Now, if he, he I know he's not going to play much, but if he is playing, he he's very intricate. He plays, he creates clear cut chances for fun, and that's something you know we're 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 adding a bit more. So, so I think what, we've we've brought players in that are going to be creative into the side, and then there's Markovic. There's going to be you know, and then there's Chan. So I do. And Henderson's going to get better. Only going to get better. You know, I do think his output will get better as there's more pressure on him in the side. And we were looking for Suarez all the time. All these players are going to have to grow and 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 you know have a bit of pressure on themselves. So I, I personally think he's a good signing. There's there's the, the the stuff about five year deal totally agree with that. That's that's worrying. If it was a five year deal for me, I, I mean, personally that would be that's too much. It'd be thirty three by the time he was going to go. I think a three year deal's perfect. Like Jim said, I'd agree with you, Jim. Off the field stuff, um, I don't really want to comment, and I wouldn't really. I don't really know much about it, so I'm not going to say much. But we've had players in the past that have been knobs off the pitch, but produced it on the pitch. We've never minded then. I know this is really serious, Jim, what you just said there. I mean, innocent until proven guilty, isn't it? So, um, yeah, if he did do that, obviously I'd have a problem. (laughs) But um, right now, I don't don't think there's anything in that. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's a good player. I think he'll suit us. He will. It'll be, it, 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 I, I, and and also, if you think about it, the, the, this is the this is the argument, wasn't it, with you, Jim, with Barini? Now, yeah. I, I personally think with Barini is that I agree he's he's a good player and he's worth keeping, but the fourteen million pounds is probably too too much to turn down. And on top of that, I think probably Barini doesn't fit our system as well as maybe, you know, um, Remy would, like a counter-attacking type of pace type player. Whereas I do agree that Barini's off the ball running and his work rate's great. You know, probably and probably one of the best ones in the squad now that Suarez is gone. But um, I, I do feel the way we're going, we're probably going to be more counter-attacking. And, 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 he, and Remy 
fits that. He's, you know, Remy is is quicker. Um, I suppose it comes down to personal preference at the end of the day, doesn't it? I, you know, I, I think Barini. There's something there. I think you know a full season with us, injury permit, injuries permitting. Obviously, preseason injuries belt with us. Uh, I, I, there's a player in there, and I think you know he's four years younger. I think if he if he if he did stay with us for the next four years, I I would imagine, and I I think. Um, I'm fairly confident in saying I, th- you know, I predict his his stats and his output would be the same as Remy, so, uh, you know, as is as his is at the moment. But as I say, I think Rogers is looking for the here and now. You can't blame him because you know we had a lot of youngsters in the side and in the squad last season, and you know it's one of my sort of bugbears where people say oh, we we'll buy this guy for the future, buy that guy for the future, which is great. It's all very well looking looking to the future in the next couple of years. But if you don't have one eye on what's happening right now, then obviously that's where you can fall down. Um, so, yeah, look, initially I was dead against it. I've looked into it a bit more. I've come come round to why people think it's a good deal. I can sort of get on board with it. You know, if I had the choice, I would personally keep Barini. But like you say, 14 million, you know, we're making our money back on him. You you know, you, you can't, you, you just can't turn it down, unfortunately. For a player who was out on loan all last season, the money's just too good. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Ryan, coming to you with the um, with more on Remy, really. Now, there's obviously the the Barini factor, so I want your thoughts on Barini. But then I want you to also talk about Boney. Do you think Wilfried Boney would be would have been the better option to go for at at this moment in time? The stats are pretty similar in terms of goals, in terms of. Um, um, minutes per goal. It's it's 150 minutes per goal for Remy, 155 for Boney. The chance conversion is 22% to Remy and 18% to Boney. And then clear cut conversion, 53% for Remy and 55% for Boney. So you know, there's the, even shot accuracy. We'll get we'll throw the shot accuracy in as well. 49% for Remy and 44% for Boney. I don't see much difference there. It's it's really minimal. Five, three, 4%, 5%. I think. Um, Either way, either they're both beating each other on, on some things there. But yeah, your your thoughts on first the the, the what looks like the replacement for Barini being Remy, and then would Boney have been a better choice than Remy? And we'll go to Jim after that. Will you really? Well, <laughs> well, um, the thing with Barini is that Remy is pretty much going to sign now. So if I'm looking at uh, a squad that has Sturridge, Lambert, Barini, and Remy. I mean, you know, is Re- like Barini is at least third choice, if not fourth. You know, not not that you know he's better than Lambert, but I think, you know, his only other option is to play out wide, and I don't really want Barini out wide. So, uh, look, I, I think we do have to. I think even though we mightn't get the fourteen million off uh, Sunderland uh, for them at the moment, it looks like it might not happen. But you know, you'd never know. I'd still think his time is probably up, just because Remy is definitely coming in, and. Um, Wilfred Boney, you know, a player that I like a lot, but personally, I don't, I don't see how we, how we fit him in. It, just in the sense that, I mean, he's going to cost more than Remy, but besides that, you know, he's younger and he also needs to be playing. He, he's kind of at the age where, to me, you either have Sturridge or you have Boney. If you know what I mean, they're both around the same age. You know, their their talent level, I'd say Sturridge is above, but, you know, Boney wants to be playing, he wants to be the focal point, so I don't think he can be someone where you can tell him, look, we only need you off the bench when we're kind of, we're, we're trying something different or we're going to play every second or third game. 
you know, I, I'm not too. Even though he's probably he's probably the better player than than Remy, I just don't see how he suits when we already have Surge and as well as Lambert. I mean, we already have Lambert in there, and you know, they're, they're kind of diff- they are different players. But you know, Boney, I'm not too upset that we're going to miss out on him. To be honest, you know, um, like I said, Jim was mentioning Remy. Like you know, I, I was surprised at how poor his goals uh, dropped off when he was uh, shifted out wide, as Jim pointed out, and when he came on against um, Germany in the World Cup. Uh, for France, he was put out on the right, I think. Uh, they were kind of going, I don't know, 4-3-3, or they nearly made it like 4-2-4 or something towards the end, but he wasn't doing a whole lot out there. So I would prefer to see Remy through the middle, and you know, if he has to go wide, he has to go wide, and it'll probably be different because the way Rodgers sets up, it won't be exactly you know shifting out wide to maybe feed Sturridge up front. He'll be able to come inside, and he'll be able to drift in forward. But look, I'm, I'm happy enough with him. Uh, Barini, I had high hopes for when he signed uh, but I just don't think he's progressed enough in the last two years. I really do not think that he's in any way, well, not, and that's a bit harsh, but I just don't see what where, where the progress has been. I mean, I, I don't see any difference in his performances, you know, in the last week or, you know, whenever to when he when he left us uh, one year ago on that preseason tour. And that that's just me, though, and I like him a lot, and I think he's a lot of passion and I think there's a very good footballer in there. I just don't think it's in England at this stage. I, I really don't think uh, if we're ever going to see the best of Fabio Barini, I think it would be back home in Italy. But, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I think I want to counter that a bit. He was impressive for Sunderland. Let's 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 be honest. I think, I think at the same did, time, guys, I mean, how many goals did he score in the Premier League last year? I th- it was below 10, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, he got seven. He got, he got yeah, but how many six. of those were from the penalty spot? Quite a yeah, few. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know still, I, I'm just saying... I know, I know he did. But I was just saying, like, a lot of his goals, like, I, you know, when I look at Barini, I see a player who moves well, and you expect to be, like the goal he scored for us against Newcastle, you know, in around the box, he just gets it on the half chance and it's in. Like, he doesn't really score many of those goals. He was always, a lot of them were kind of, one was outside the box against Newcastle, and um, I see, I, my memory is completely blanked. I had a bad dose of hay fever today now. I'm sorry, I was sneezing. <laughs> but um, I... A lot of his goals kind of, to me, appeared that he didn't have to think about them. Bar the penalties, he has great composure for them. But I just, I don't know. Like, you know, if to me, he had to have had a good season getting over 10 and at least having seven or eight, nine from open play. But look, I like to be him. fair, though, just, mate, he's playing for Sunderland on, and mostly on the left hand yeah, side. Know, but yeah, no, I, I, know, I, take, I, I take your point. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, Jim, the Boney and, uh, the Boney and Remy. Stuff I think we've already talked about Barini with you, haven't we? So yeah, I, I like I like Boney. I like him a lot. You know, he's he knows where the goal is. He's got for somebody with such a, a small backlift, the power he gets in his his shooting is is exceptional. I think you know his movement. Oh, it's not as good as Sturridge. Um, he's not as quick as as Remy. I wouldn't have thought, but he's a, he's a completely different sort of player. I mean, if if you're talking about balls into that 18 yard box or sort of anywhere between the lines of the 18-yard box, 30 yards out, uh, you know, and closer, he's going to have a shot uh, and, you know, he's, he's going to hit the target the majority of the time, as we've seen at Swansea. My only reservation with him is, is he's done well one season in the Premier League. Is he going to have a bit of the old Christian Benteke's about him? I wouldn't have thought so because I think he is a much better footballer than Benteke and Swansea are a better team than, um, than Aston Villa. But, you know, £20 million... If even if Swansea were going to sell him for that much, which I doubt they would do, because they they paid I think thirteen for him 
And I think after the season he's had, you know, they'd won more than a seven million. There's pound. a rumored, um, there's a rumored nineteen million clause. There's a release clause uh, for a Champions right, okay. League team, apparently. Right. So okay. I, I think I, I agree with you in the point that he's he's a powerful player. He's a you, you look you watch Boney play and he's really strong, strong as an ox. I think it's a different style of player to what we've got. And I think it, it would have been interesting to sign him because it would give you a different aspect of play, a change. Do you get what I mean? And I don't think Lambert gives you that. It's not the same as that. I think it, Lambert's a touch player. I think it's more, it's totally different to Boney. Boney gives you that power. Uh, talking about Boney, there's one guy who loves Wilfred Boney. And he's, he's actually made it onto the pod now. It's Dave Hendrick. Dave, welcome back, mate. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hey, so we're talking about Lloyd Remy, but we're talking. We've gone past the Lloyd Remy stuff himself in terms of um, his past and all that, and and what what how he's going to fit into the side. But we're talking about the comparison with Boney. So, from a tactical point of view, which is your forte for us, where how would it be different to have Boney and Remy, and and obviously your your pluses, your positives for Boney, because I know you're a fan, big fan. I am a huge fan. We should have signed them last summer um, when people were cl- clamouring for us to call to sign Benteke for twenty million, which was just ridiculous. Uh, Boney is the one we should have gone and got last summer. He's had a brilliant season for Swansea despite being injured um, and carrying an injury and playing through it for a number of months. Um, I, for me, there's no comparison between Boney and Remy. Remy's an average player. There's there's nothing to really shout about him. Take away his pace, and I'm not even sure he's a Premier League football player. Um, fair enough he scored goals but then Papi Cissé Dembaba Nikita Jelovic all these players came to the Premier League and they scored goals and then they got figured out and then they didn't score goals anymore what evidence is there that Remy's the type of player that can come off a bench and change a game you know I, I've never seen that from him uh, what I have seen from him throughout his career is a terrible attitude uh, strops tantrums threatened strikes the, the guy is just, he's a first class prick, quite frankly. Um, I'm quite disappointed that we've gone and signed him. Boney made so much more sense for me because I think Boney would have gotten far more out of Daniel Sturridge. Boney's good enough to start for us every week, no matter what competition we play in. Uh, Remy isn't, simply. Would anybody, anybody want to go and play Real Madrid with Loic Remy up front in his own if Sturridge is injured? I, I don't think they would. You know, Ramos and Varane could have themselves a picnic that day. They'd have nothing to worry about. Um, if you play, obviously, if you get Boney, you're committing to playing two up front. We played two up front a lot last season. Two up front actually suits most of the players we have. Uh, you could put Sterling in behind them, then play the midfield three as we had last season. Yeah, so you've got your diamond midfield, which Rodgers seemed to favour quite a bit last season. You could also move to a three-four-one-two. Again, we played that last year. Um, having Boney would have freed Sturridge from having to be that number nine and play up front. He could have played off him, he could have played around him. Boney always attracts two defenders. You can't go one-on-one with Wilfred Boney. He'll absolutely annihilate anybody because he's so strong and he keeps the ball so well. Uh, so he attracts either a full-back or the other centre-back to him, which opens up space for the likes of Sturridge and Sterling with their pace one of the things that Boney does that he's really really good at is flick-ons not just with his head but with both feet um, he's really intelligent he, he knows when to drop off collect the ball and he can turn and play a pass 
with Sturridge and Sterling running off him, I think it would have been you know extremely good to watch. I think it would have been extremely purpose um, purposeful for us. You know, it would have given us a real kind of focal point to our attack. Remy just doesn't bring anything for me. Fair enough, he's like a crap Sturridge to come off the bench. That's really all he is. He's got pace. He's a half decent finisher. He's by no means a good finisher. Um, if you look at his record, his, his conversion rate is worse than like Suarez. And if you consider the amount of chances that Suarez was having to create for himself, compared to like Remy doesn't create chances for himself, he runs on to things. Um, it just it it annoys me that we've gone and signed him. I know it's eight million, but I mean then there's rumours that it's eight rising to twelve and stuff. Um, but then that was from Sky Sports, so it's you know probably come off Twitter originally. Um, I'm not I'm not happy with the signing the bony, but to be fair, given the money we wasted on Lalana and the money we're about to waste on Deja and Lovren, it won't be the last bad signing we make this summer. We'll come back to Lovren um, just because I'm the stato here. Um, Loic Remy's conversion was better than Suarez's last season, but anyway, I don't think it was, guys. I'm fairly certain it was fifteen percent. 20% on EPL four, index. 14 20, goals at... 22%. 22 percent goals on, at 90 chances. What's that? Um, no, I've got 65 shots in here. So it's 22% on EPL index. And and for Suarez, it was 20. Storage, though, 25. Oh, and Boney, 18. Yeah, it must have been an Opta tweet that I saw going right. around earlier. Okay. Um, it said 90, that he'd taken 90 shots last right. season. Oh, so, okay. Right. But, Fair yeah, enough. Yours are probably right. That could have been... <laughs> It's okay. I, 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 you know, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. I, 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 I like the signing. I think it might might work. But we're going to transition here to something positive, which is Markovic, because I don't think we talked about him on the last pod. Because um, obviously we had the interview with Tony Evans. So uh, I want to go around the table here and, and get your thoughts. I'm excited by him just because people are talking about him. Because I've never watched him. Never. I don't watch foreign football much. I don't. I don't watch the European leagues much. I'm so busy creating bloody podcasts. That um, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm just just don't get the time to watch more football. He's than not Liverpool. joking at all. He's always busy. This is like the first night <laughs> off he's ever had in his life, and he's doing this. <laughs> I know. I know. It just it just had to be done. There was everything was going wrong today, and people dropping out left, right, center, and um, we thought we'd lost Dave. We put we, we got we got Ryan in, but we got Dave back. So it's positive, you know. Things are getting getting better. But yeah, Markovic. Then guys, tell me about Markovic. So. Ryan, do you know anything about Lazar? Hmm. Well, what I do know about him is that uh, he grows pretty well on FIFA 14. He wears a <laughs> tight skin shirt. Um, that's a that's a big sell for me. There's not enough tight skin shirted Liverpool players on FIFA 14. Uh, he's got really nice long hair. He doesn't really look like he gives a shit. I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean. Does he? I don't know, Dave. You probably know. He doesn't celebrate his goals. I mean, I'm a bit of a thing for numbers. I don't like that he wears the number fifty, but at the same time, I fucking love that he wears the number fifty. You know, I just there's something about him. Like I've I've heard of his. I had heard his name. You know, you know about a couple of years ago, and you know you read them on websites and stuff. And you know he's popping up here and there. And I'd always heard that yeah, Chelsea was the club that he was going for. And if it's rumored that he did in fact turn us down, or excuse me, turn Chelsea down in the end. Like that, you know, that is a bit of a big plus considering he was there last summer. He got a tour and he got a tour around Stamford Bridge. He was brought into London and whatever. And, you know, he, he spoke about that. So 
to end up playing for Liverpool um, one year later after the back of a very good season in Portugal. You know, we've obviously had Marco Lopez as, as pretty much uh, hoard himself out to every Liverpool site, telling everyone what about him. But um, no, honestly, like he, he, I'm really excited to see him play and. I just don't know. Dave might know better. I don't know if uh, if this is maybe a year too early, but obviously one year later he would have um, he would have <laughs> he would have had to uh, pay more for him. So I don't really know what the crack is with that. But I'm really excited to watch this kid develop. Jim, your thoughts on um, on Mark? Which we'll go to Dave in a second. I know he's itching to talk about this guy, but uh, we'll, we'll make him wait. <laughs> Jim, your thoughts? Again. Have you watched much of him? No, I um I haven't. I haven't watched any of them at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, again, I'm with Ryan. I don't. Um, yeah, you know, I'm of the age where I've got no hair. So anybody who's got long hair, I, I instantly dislike him, to be honest. Um, I don't like the fact that he wears the number fifty shirt. I can't. I just I can't get my head around stuff like that. Um, but as a as a footballer, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of emails sent to me uh, from people who, who've seen a lot of him. Marco, obviously, one of them, and a couple of other guys. And from what I've read, he, he sounds he sounds like a wonderful prospect. So I think the business we've done with him is extremely uh, extremely clever. It's it's exciting, um, and it is the sort of player that you know we, we should be looking for. That there's obviously another way of being successful. The signing of him, just just to sort of backtrack a little bit, just to make one quick point: the signing of him, uh, Emery uh, Can or Chan, is it? Both very very exciting in deals. In terms of Leverin and Remy, I'm just a bit concerned that they're they're two players who were both available for similar money as each other this time last season. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about let's talk about Liverpool's um, <laughs> scouting and and how they buy players a little later. Let's stick to yeah, okay, let's stick yeah, to Markovic because no I want I'm, I don't want to make a segue in the middle because I want to come to Dave then about Markovic. I want to I want to get obviously the listeners to know a bit bit more about him from a scout's point of view, which Dave Dave obviously does a lot of watches a lot of football. So Dave, um, you must have seen a lot of this guy. Yeah, I've I've been watching this kid since he came through the Paris Saint Belgrade, and what we're dealing with here is a player who is of the same level of talent as your Eden Hazards, your James Rodriguez, your Iscos, etc., etc. This this kid is very, very, very special. Jim is completely right. Um, we, we probably are getting him a year early in terms of his actual readiness for the Premier League. Um but we wouldn't have got him next summer. He he would not have been there for us to get next summer. We would like even unless we kept the Suarez money and were prepared to throw, you know, thirty five to forty million at Benfica next summer, and even then someone probably would have outbid us. This kid is very, very special. Um he's a hard player to define in terms of his position. He's he's I think he's a best as an attacking midfielder, second striker, but more of a goal scorer than a creator. Um, older fans will remember Andreas Muller, the German guy uh, in the late 80s and, and through the 90s. He reminds me of him, searing pace. Don't get me wrong, he, he can pass the ball very well and he's got great vision, but you know, once he gets on the run, he, he wants to take players on, he wants to stick the ball in the net. He can be a bit selfish, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, he doesn't care about anything by the looks of things. He doesn't celebrate. Uh, I 
the only other striker I would have wanted more than Boney was Balotelli, purely because he doesn't celebrate either, and I love that it winds people up. Um, celebrations are just so 2010. No celebrations from now on, lads. Um, it, he's This kid is going to be a star. We need to be careful with him in this coming year because he's going to have some growing pains. He wasn't a, kind of an every week regular at Benfica they were managing this game very cleverly I, I assume Rodgers will do the same thing um, having the likes of Jordan Ive now kind of making that breakthrough at their first team group as well and the likes of Sterling, Lalana, you know those four really should be looking to be in the two positions either side of um, of Sturridge when Sturridge is fully fit obviously so if we have those four and we can rotate them, obviously I will play a lot less than the other three, but it gives us great options. It means that we can monitor everybody's games, um, especially the younger three, Sterling, Markovic and I need to be very careful with them not to burn them out. But like I said, look, Lazar Markovic is going to be the most exciting signing that we make this summer. It's the most exciting signing in terms of potential and talent that we've made in a long, long time. Um, he he does have the like more natural talent than Suarez. He I don't know if he has that manic genius that Suarez had though that made him like play above the capabilities of his natural talent. Suarez's mind is is incredible, and obviously that desire to win that Luis had as well. So I don't know if Markovic has that in his game, but in terms of just pure talent, that this kid is absolutely off the charts. Um, we we've got I think we've got a bargain. We may not see the best of them until 2015-2016 season, but what we see this season should, should you know, inspire confidence. Um, it, it's it's the best signing we're going to make this summer. It, it and Chan are just fantastic signings. They carry on from when we signed Delory last summer. Um, hopefully, we're getting Manquillo in and Marino. So, you know, we're building this core, and the only hope is that Rogers will. You know, we'll go with it um, and not sign sort of Premier League proven players who are of, of a higher age, you know, to block their paths because I just don't think that's that's what we need to do. Just on that point, quick on Markovic, Dave, obviously, like you say, he probably has come a year too early, but I just hope, you know, our fans are prone to sometimes a, a slight overreaction to, to players who aren't uh, scoring bags full of goals or creating bags yeah. full of chances especially when they sort of come in with the, the price tag and the reputation he's got so I hope you know he's not another Jordan Henderson where yeah. everyone gets on his back early well, doors you know because it's going to take a while to find his best position it's going to take a while for him to bed into the, 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 the league and the standard that he's playing in you know, I just hope people sort of give him that time to grow. And you know, just remember, Raheem wasn't. You know, Raheem's around the same age as him. They can't expect him to turn up and do exactly what Raheem does. It's a different league, different style of play, different country, different language. You know, it's a lot for him to take on. He is only a young man, after all. Well, that's that's spot on, Jim. The Sterling grew up in England, and he grew up in English football. You know, he grew up getting kicked off the pitch. Now, to be fair, the Serbian league is is chaos, like absolute chaos. If you think the Premier League is physical just go and watch some of the stuff that happens in Serbia it's absolutely incredible some of the tackles that people get away with so he's well used to getting kicked and he is a strong boy but you're, you're spot on Jim he's going to need a time to adapt to the game to the country to the language to everything you know to the city itself um, 
I think the best way, if we wanted to play him a lot next season, we'd probably be best going with Sturridge on the or sorry Sterling on the right, Sturridge in the centre, Markovic on the left in a front three. But I think long term, with with those three players, our best bet will be Markovic behind Sturridge and Sterling. I think Sterling could be an absolutely incredible striker. I think he's got all the tools to be absolutely phenomenal in that role. I've been saying that probably since we started this podcast. Um, I remember being asked we did when we did the listeners' questions. Someone asked me, "Could he play right back?" I said, "I, I think he's he belongs up front. I stand by that. I think he's natural up front, and I think Markovic behind the two of them would just absolutely decimate teams, especially if you've got Phil Coutinho prompting from behind. Henderson's energy and Emery Chan is just you know he, people are going to love him once he he hits the ground." Dave. Um... I know you've been pretty vocal on uh, if you you know on social media etc and on here that you didn't think Suarez was in the plan to go this year. Um, I've seen as well that a lot of people expected Markovic to come in regardless of Suarez. So do you think that like you know I do, I agree with you. I do think it could be a year too early and possibly he might be a little bit raw. Do you think that we went after him with the knowledge that Suarez would give us one more year that we would have Luis Suarez not you know coach or you know lend a hand to this guy the way he did with Sterling but to give him a chance you know to give him that because you're one player down now you know and Markovic is now he could have came in where he is expected to play say 25 games in the league and now we're going to ask him to probably play 30 to 33 if he's fit so do you think you know that ties in with your little kind of idea about it do you think that Suarez wasn't the plan for more year but that Markovic would have been given that year to pretty much get himself ready to get himself okay I'm, I'm ready now to do this yeah, I, I'm absolutely certain that Suarez was the plan was for Suarez to stay. Um, our, our transfer business just doesn't lend itself to the theory that they knew Suarez was going or that they were inviting um, an auction in March or whatever. It just doesn't. Ricky Lambert makes absolutely no sense about Luis Suarez at the club. Um, I think the plan was for the same front three that we had last season, Sterling, Sturridge and Suarez, to carry on this year. Markovic would come in. Lambert would get whatever games up front replay, you know, when Sturridge and Suarez needed a rest and he'd play in the cups and whatever, you know, crap minutes were left at the end of games when we were two and three nil up. And that Markovic would play instead of Sterling quite often or when, you know, when they wanted to play Suarez as the central striker and, and give Sturridge a rest or whatever. I, I think Markovic has been. In, in the plan all along but for me there's absolutely no way that Luis Suarez going was part of the plan because Lallana doesn't make sense either you've basically now if if the plan was for Suarez to go like I don't think we're going to sign another attacker so is anybody really going to tell me that the plan all along was to sell Suarez and buy Loic Remy and Adam Lallana to, create, to, to replace him because for me neither of them are good enough to start even without Suarez we have better players than they are. Um, Coutinho and Sterling are better than Lalana, and for me, Sterling, Markovic, and Sturridge are all better than Loic Ramy. So, I I don't see. I think I think Lalana was coming in to be a complimentary piece to help with next season. Um, and you know, play half the games maybe and come off the bench in the other half. You know, as Sterling is sort of rested here and there and. You know, played in different roles, and then Markovic was to to be in bedded in for next season 
to replace Suarez if he went next season. Um, and Lallana would have worked really well in that role, I think, you know, if he was just a bit part player. I don't really have an issue with a signing Adam Lallana. My, my issue with Lallana has always been the price. Um, people seem to think that I think he's crap. I think he's a mid-table player as a starter. He's a mid-table player, but I have no problem with him being a bench player for us or somebody who just plays, you know, 15 league games or starts 15 league games, maybe starts 25 overall. I don't have an issue with that. But for 23 million, you should be buying someone who plays every game, who is a nailed-on first-team starter every game, and he's just not that. And that, for me... I don't think anybody could argue that he is a nailed-on starter. The only argument is, well, Rodgers has spent the money, so he's going to have to play him. But based on talent, etc., like, etc., et he's just not, you know, he's not better than what we had last season. And that's my worry going into this season, is that I think our squad is definitely better than it was last year. There's absolutely no question about that. I mean, our bench is going to be really strong this year. But our first eleven for me, is going to be considerably weaker because Suarez won't be there. If Lovren signs, I think he's playing left-sided centre-back because there's nothing to suggest he can play right-sided centre-back. And Lalan is going to come in and I, he's either going to replace Suarez, and he's not Suarez, or maybe he'll replace Coutinho and somebody else replaces Suarez. Either way, we're not going to be as, as good next year in our first eleven. And for me you get your best 11 and then you build your squad you don't do it the other way around it just gets messy um, some really good points there David I love the fact that you're so worked up about it that you know something's banging on that desk I don't know what it is Dave but something's banging on that desk <laughs> but I've got, I've got you know you made some good points about the bench and that's what I really want to talk about actually is is that the team now yeah like you said we're going to be a bit more we're going to, we're not going to be as strong as the, in, in terms of the first team, but we did okay without Suarez when, when he wasn't playing, you know, with Sturridge up top. And the other point you made about Remy, the more I think about it, as in him being the backup really for Sturridge, because Sturridge can't play every game. We know there's injury problems with Sturridge. You know, he'll get, he'll play thirty to forty games, and then that's when Remy comes in and plays that role, similar to Sturridge. So you you you, you made some good points there. That made but me the, think. The issue know. I have, Gags, though, is number one. Remy, whenever he, Remy has not been first choice at a club, he has thrown tantrums and demanded to leave. Mm-hmm. It's well known that he downed tools in March of last season, and there was games he he asked he refused not to play in the final game at Anfield. Or he refused to play in the final game at Anfield. There was other games he he said he wasn't going to play in as well mm. because he didn't like playing on the left. So he doesn't like playing on the left. And I read an article in the Echo, which just was hysterical about how he, you know brilliant he was on the left and how he would replace Suarez and all this is just nonsense because he doesn't like playing on the left he wants to play as a 9 he's not going to play as a 9 if unless Sturridge is injured and frankly if Sturridge is injured for a long period of time and this guy is his replacement we're going from having two of the best strikers in the world to having a fairly mediocre striker up front that's fair enough. I, and I, I, I do think, though, that Sturridge might have to be rotated regularly he in, does, in terms of in terms and of the Champions League, and, and that's, that's what Boney they might made, do. But that's why Boney made more sense. Uh, oh yes, I'm, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying, you know, like now that we're going to get him, that's what I think the plan might be. And what we're, what I'm segueing into here is is the bench, like you mentioned just now, the yeah. bench, and and the, the the great point about 
this is this is going to be a totally different year for Rodgers, right? I know because we've lost Suarez and stuff, but imagine we played the whole season with absolutely fuck all options on that bench. He couldn't change it. He couldn't make any tactical changes. He couldn't change his shape. Nothing he could do if it was going wrong for him. He was struggling this year. It looks like we're actually going to have a fucking bench. I'm actually quite excited to see what this manager is going to do halfway through a game. You know, because he's he's quite he's quite you know brash. He'll probably say, right, this ain't working. Fuck this. I'm changing, making two subs at halftime. I'm changing the shape, and he'll be able to do it now. So I want to hear from you guys. What, what do you think of that? I mean, that's going to be surely something new, something new for us to look at, something new for Rogers as well, and maybe something where we'll grow from as well. Well, I, I was looking at a potential bench last night of... Like, apparently, we're looking to sign, bring in a backup goalkeeper. So that's that'll take care of that. Brad Jones will become uh, the number three goalkeeper. Number three goalkeeper, by the way, best job in the world. You get paid really well. You play football every day in training and having a laugh with your mates. You never actually have to play in anything important. So, you know, there's no pressure on you. You just turn up and have the crack. It's a great life. Um, so say we get... Just to throw a name out there, I think he's going to go to Spurs, but just say we got Vorm. Um, I'm not a big fan, but he's better than Brad Jones. So we get Vorm. Uh, you've got John Flanagan on the bench. He can cover um, both fullback spots. Um, you've got, I think it'll be Skirtland Lovren starting. So you've got Sacco there as your backup centre back. Um, you've got Can, won't start every game, I don't think, because of Steven Gerrard. Joe Allen will probably be on the bench and then Lalana's probably going to start so Markovic and Remy so that's a seven man bench that's that's a strong seven man bench certainly much stronger than the absolute atrocities that were trod out as, as the bench options last season but again like we're spend we're going to spend probably 120 million to have a stronger bench a much stronger bench but still be left with but the thing about it is is that and much weaker 11 yeah you know like uh, you guys all know that you know we're all big you know Brendan Rodgers fans as the coach and guys like as you said you know Rodgers you know he it was working well for him you know say 95% of the time last season and in the 5% of the time that it wasn't working he had a shit bench okay so now we're going to have a good bench but he now to have a good bench like you know you don't want what am I trying to say here his first eleven is most like it's going to be weaker without Luis Suarez, so there's a higher chance that at the moment it might not be working every time he starts out the the you know his strongest eleven. So, I mean that's where you have to look at. I mean, do we want to have a very strong bench? We also want to have, as you know, Davis was saying, a complementing first eleven. So like that's where I'm you know I'd be kind of concerned in that way. Even though I'm sure Rogers is you know he's obviously very good on the field, and I hope you know this this is just me being maybe a bit negative in some ways, but. You know, it's all well and good having a very good bench with those options to change it up, but I don't want to see that we have to change it up a lot next season, if you know what I mean. Yeah, following off, following on from that, Ryan, I agree completely. Last season, we had 14 players, probably, who, who could be asked to come in and do a job. And Rogers was quite flexible with his tactics. You know, we played, what, four or five different formations last season. Um, depending on who was available and what from he could do. From the starting of the game, though, only we che- we didn't we didn't often, yeah. often change much. We did no, a few but I, times, but not but much think, in the game. I, I mean, you know, I don't think 
you, unless it's sort of last 10 minutes, I don't see where you want to be chucking three players on and changing formations two or three times during a game. I, I, I know what you mean, Gags. I know it is nice to have sort of tactical flexibility. But I think the stronger your bench and the weaker your starting eleven, it just comes... There's a problem straight away if you're having to look at it and think, well, I need to make two or three changes every game because I've got a strong bench and my first eleven isn't quite up to scratch. Is that you're never quite sure what your best team is. And I think that's what we're in danger of doing. Last season, everybody knew what our best team was. You could write it down, and then it was just a matter of whether Rodgers would sort of play three at the back or, or a diamond in midfield or, or the little box midfield or the, or the 4-3-3. Um, this season, you know, we have got the flexibility with, with the sort of um, formations we can play again. But, the, the, you know, I think if the transfer window shut tomorrow, we could all pick the start in 11 and put it down the piece of paper against last year's start in 11. And and it's it's not stronger at all, definitely. Um, at the end of last season, we all spoke about where do we need to strengthen, and we need to strengthen in, in the defence. You can't replace Luis Suarez's goals, but what you can do is stop the amount of goals that we conceded last season. So if you bring in another striker or an attacking midfielder who's going to get you 15 goals, and you bring in one or two uh, defenders who's going to stop you conceding 15 goals, you've you've replaced Luis Suarez's goals there. Because he scored over thirty, didn't he? You know, we conceded fifty goals last season, and it, it, that is never going to. Until we solve that problem, doesn't matter how many attackers we bring in, doesn't matter what formation we play, and it doesn't matter how, how strong our bench is. We're always going to have that problem. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. I think maybe let's, before we go to the defence, which I was going to do. I think Dave's got a point. Just a just a quick point, and I'm fully in agreement with Jim. I actually think us having such a small group last year helped us far more than it hindered us for a couple of reasons. One, it made Rodgers, because in the first season he kind of pricked about a little bit and he was trying different things. Last season he had to pick his best team and stick with it. This isn't a guy who likes to, you know, to rotate anyway. He doesn't come, you know, his two mentors are Mourinho and Louis van Gaal. They don't rotate, so this he doesn't have a history of rotating, and people can say it's because he hasn't had to in the past. Mourinho never really rotates, and neither does Louis van Gaal. They just, they're just not in the mindset. It's the score third theory. They get the most out of players, and, and that's how they operate. Having such a small group of players last year meant that the unity was so strong. that The, the team spirit that we had last season was absolutely unbelievable absolutely unbelievable that those lads were willing to die for each other they were willing to kill for each other that's they just everybody had each other's back the other thing as well is when you're bringing in players like Dejan Lovren Remy players with noted noted bad attitudes players with histories of demanding transfers when they're not in the first team players with histories of striking and stropping and others as well like realistically if Raheem Sterling isn't starting every week next year. He could get stroppy as well because he has earned the right to start every week. Coutinho could do the same. You know, you, when you strengthen your squad, you're also risking losing what made us brilliant last year, and that was the, the team spirit, the unity, the fact that everybody was fighting for the one thing. I think we're risking losing that this season, not only with some of the personalities that we're adding, but with you know, with the numbers that we're, we're going to have. So if we've got 18 players who all think they're first team quality, that's great, you know, and people say that's brilliant. But all those 18 guys are going to want to start and four or five, if they don't want, if they don't get to the start, they're not going to be happy. They're really not going to be happy. 
So I think it's a risk. And like I just I just can't emphasize the point enough. If you spend 135 million, fair enough. It's great that your bench is better. But if your first team is that much weaker, you have not had a good summer. And to this point, our first team is an awful lot weaker. And if Lovren comes in to replace Sacco, it just gets even worse. Frankly, if Lovren comes in to replace Sacco or Skirtle, it gets even worse because he's he's not a right-sided centre-back. He can't play there. He might he might get put playing there, but he's not very good there. He's never been good there, and he's not as good as Skirtle in that role. So whatever you think of Skirtle, I'm not a fan, but like the guy's a natural right-sided centre-back. And if you think just because he's right footed he can play right sided centre back, I have no interest in talking to you because you just don't understand anything really. Okay, so we kind of moved away from my part. I was I was more being excited that we're going to get to see Rogers be a bit more tactical and make more changes and stuff, and you know just see him grow more. That's what my point was. But okay, that's fine, no problem. Um, we've talked about Lovren there already with Dave. I think that's pretty much where we're most of us are probably going to go. I think I want to talk about full-backs, though, now, because for can me... Make, go on. Can I just quickly... Just a couple of quick things on Lovren, because my head is melted with people talking about him. Right. <laughs> That's why I wasn't going to talk about him. Well, <laughs> With the argument that I have had with Skype and Microsoft in the last hour... <laughs> right. First things first. He, people are out on Twitter saying that he played right-sided centre-back for three years at Lyon. That's a lie. It's a, it, He never played right. He maybe played five, six games over the three and a half years he was there, but he was not first choice. Chris, the legend of Lyon, he was right-sided centre-back. And then they, Lovren played more games at full-back than he did at right-sided centre-back. Right, Just put it that way. Secondly, he wasn't even first choice for Leon in his last two years there. He was dropped more often than he played. He was pretty abysmal for his entire time at Leon. Um, I'm not sure if this is true, but somebody told me yesterday that Lovren, over the time he was in France, nobody was named in Le Kips or Le Quip, however you say it, in their worst 11 of the week. Nobody was named in it more often than him. So, you know, he was shambolic at Leon. Um the people were amazed Leon got eight million for him. So I, I, I don't know where people think Southampton got a bargain. Like they overpaid from last summer. Um, there's a myth out there that he's the one that improved Southampton's defence. Just let me give you some numbers. In 2012-13, Southampton's conceded about sixty goals. Pochettino was in charge for the last sixteen games. They only conceded nineteen goals. Their de- defence improved immeasurably as soon as he took over. They just became a solid defensive team when he took over, changed the shape and put his tactics in place. Now, in 2013-2014, with Lovren, they conceded 46 goals. So that's a drop of 14 overall from the previous season. Um, And apparently this is a massive improvement that Lovren has been key to. Uh, Other horse shit. Uh, Victor Wanyama, I'm a big fan, everybody knows that. When he played, now bear in mind, he played more than half the minutes in the league. He started 19, came on three times. He played more than half the minutes. When he was on the pitch, they conceded 14 goals, 1-4. Without him, in less than half the time, 32 goals. So it's pretty clear who the important one was. Wanyama and Schneidlin, shielding that defence, made it easy for them. They had... When when they had a full complement with Wanyam and Schneidlin, defensively they were the best team in the league. 
Um, without, they were a mediocre defensive team. Actually, without, they were on target to have a worse defence than the previous season. So the myths that Lovren made some drastic improvement to them, again, just myths. The numbers prove that. Um, like I said, he was never a regular right-sided centre-back for Leon. If, if people are telling you this, they're lying. If they're telling you he was a regular right-sided centre-back at Zagreb, again, it's not true. He's always been a left-sided centre-back. And if you, again, if people think that just because he's right-footed, he can play right-sided centre-back, go and find me five games over the last ten years where right-footed John Terry or right-footed Nemanja Vidic have played right-sided centre-back. They don't ever. To the, per- to the point where Johnny Evans is left-footed, but when he plays with Vidic, Evans plays right side. When Robert Hoot was at Chelsea, he's left-footed. He played right side because left-side centre-backs are specialists and they, they play in their position and that's what they do. It's not just a matter of what foot you are. Everything, and it's, it's not the same as being a full-back either because you're dealing with different things. So, Lovren... Just because Lovren has played some games, and literally it's a handful of games in his career, just because he's played a handful of games in his career at right-sided centre-back doesn't mean he can play right-sided centre-back. It just doesn't. And like, if you don't want to listen to me, go on YouTube. There's videos upon videos of the likes of Cannavaro, Franco Baresi, and countless others talking about the importance of specialising at one side. Actually, just look at Cannavaro's career. He he spent his entire career playing left-sided centre-back. He went to Real Madrid and they put him at right-sided centre-back because Helguero was there and Cannavaro had the worst year of his life. That was coming off the World Cup where he was voted European Player of the Year. So, you know, just take your heads at your arses just, and, and look at the facts. He's a left-sided centre-back. If he's coming in, it looks like he's coming to replace Sackle which is just ridiculous. And if he's coming in to replace Agar as the backup, then it's even more ridiculous that we're insisting on paying that kind of money for a guy who's not better than any of our three top centre-backs at the minute. See, that, I can't find it hard to argue when Dave starts using numbers. don't know why. You know, When he starts using stats, that's a much better way of doing it, I think. <laughs> but this is it, guys. People think I just rant and rave, but I'm speaking from fact. Like, yeah, but... I, I've watched this guy play for five years. There's people out there. I, I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter earlier on. I think you're said, misunderstood on Twitter, mate. You need to talk about it rather than tweet you know, about it, maybe. This, this guy said to me, he was told, he was talking to somebody who told him one sat that Lovren played Writes his centre back for three years at Leon, blatant lie. So anybody who says that just never saw him play at Leon. And number two, and the, then the guy turned around and goes, "Well, he was brilliant at right side of centre back in the World Cup." For, first of all, he was terrible in the World Cup, <laughs> absolutely abysmal. And secondly, he played on the left because uh, Charlie played yeah. on the right. Yeah, I think that this, Ch- goes, this goes back. Yeah, Charlie's better than Lovren. It's not yeah, even this... close. This goes back to sort of the, the point I was make, I went to make earlier is I saw Leverin play for for Leon. I saw him play for Croatia um, before last summer came about, and we were linked with him then, eight million quid. Obviously, it didn't happen. I'd not seen anything from him, and I've not seen anything from you know a few of the centre backs that we've been linked with um, from last season to say he is the answer. And I've certainly not seen anything from him to say from this time last year where his price has more than doubled. Now, Southampton obviously don't want to sell him to us. 
they probably doubly don't want to sell him to us because we've had Lalana and they've sold Duke Shaw. They've got no reason to sell. So they're going to keep ramping this price up. He can kick off and do whatever, but the fact is, if they're not going to sell him, come the start of the season, he will be, be playing at their you know, centre-back for them. He might look good at Southampton. As Dave says, he's, he's got two, two excellent players shielding him. What he's also got next to him is Jose Fonte, who's come up with Southampton since they were in League One. Take my hat off to him. He's come up through the ranks and you know he's playing in the Premier League. But that doesn't mean he's a Premier League defender. So if you've got a defender who's sort of come from League One, you could put Adley, you know, you could put next to, you could put me next to him, arguably, and you know, I might look pretty decent. Um, so I think that that needs to be bearing. You know, people need to think about that. I don't see. Arguably, we're looking at spending thirty-seven or close to thirty-seven million pound in the last two summer transfer windows on centre backs, and they both play in the same position. And if the one of them comes in, he's weakening the defence. It, it just it doesn't make sense to me at all. There's, there's, this is the thing. People, someone who's who we all we know and is very reliable with his information has been told by somebody within or close to the club that we actually did want him last season, and that he turned us down because we wouldn't guarantee him first team football. Now, if he turned us down last season because we didn't view him as good enough to start for us. Is somebody now telling me that whatever he's done at Southampton, which, to be fair, has not been great, and you can put up you know, graphics of comparing them to company all you want because they're just embarrassing, because I can put up a graphic that shows Stuart Downing is better than Messi. Dave, what, what about Debussy as the best right-back? That was at well, the end of last it. season. They, he was in the is, team of the year. You know. Yeah, it's farcical, it's, but it's one season. Surrounded by, as you said, like Jose Fonte is is a fair play to him. He's done really well for himself to come up through the levels, but he's just very not very good at all. Like, has Lovren really done enough in the last year to number one be worth twelve million more than what Southampton paid from last season when they overpaid for him, and number two be a guaranteed starter? I just I just don't understand. I just don't think that's true. I think someone within the club because. My stepfather has really good contact at Man City, and he's told me for a fact that City turned him down, turned down Lovren when Fallows was at, was at City because Fallows didn't think much of him. So, like, I, I just don't for one second believe that we were interested in him last season. I don't for one second believe that it's a committee signing. I think it's Rogers. Lovren is basically just a less shit version of Ashley Williams. He's a mediocre mid table player, and that's what he is, and that's all he'll be. Um, and if we spent twenty million on him, when like literally, if we went and as, as you mentioned earlier, Jim, if we replaced Suarez with like a top class centre back and a top class midfielder, you know, we could replace his goals by conceding less and, and being more dominant. But we're going to spend twenty million on Dejan Lovren, who's just—he's not better than Skirt Lager or, or Sacco, so it just doesn't make any sense. Okay, thank you for that, lads. I think we've. We've covered the Lovren um, angle. Um, good point on the on those stats charts that are being sent around on Twitter um, using the excellent Squawker matrix, um, the the comparison matrix. Now, if you want to use that, guys, do not use the the totals and try to compare players when they've played totally different minutes. From my point of view, if you're going to do it, use the minutes per 90 or per 90 stat, please, because that makes it a little bit more fair. It compares their performance in terms of how much they've played. Using that total the totals um 
section and and the, having the players play a thousand minutes less than the other and then showing the guy that's played a thousand minutes more is better totally wrong it just it just yeah. skews it all absolutely no point in that tweet at all so that's why i was maybe tweeting a few people yesterday i hope you didn't mind but tweeting a few people saying you know a little bit a little bit stupid uh, but yeah if you try, try and cover the the, the per 90 that's 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 that's, that's the perfect exactly. one that squawker matrix uh, metric is absolutely fantastic they've done really well to get that going all credit to the lads at squawker that it's a brilliant thing that they've put together there but it, it the one issue with it is that it is too easy for people to skew things to try and make some argument that doesn't yeah. exist. Like I said, I could find a way to make it look like I did see one that claimed like was somebody was better than Zabaleta. Like someone some really poor fullback was better than Zabaleta. The Downing versus Messi. <laughs> it was Debushi last season. He was the full the best fullback in Europe I saw. Yeah. It's I mean, brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh it's and brilliant. It McTrippy is. himself sent me one comparing Downing to Messi. And like <laughs> if you didn't know anything about football and looked at it you would you would look at it and think, geez that, that Downing guy is unbelievable. Like, it's a lot of good fun actually to get it you is, know to it, get it, got it, a lot of retweets for that guy. I mean people are yeah. really misusing it. But like I said, I think it's time you know, you got people that like like us, we use it a lot so so try and educate people really and just say you got, if you use that per ninety metric it's better for you. It's better for you to get a type of a proper comparison. I know stats aren't everything, uh, but but um, you know like Dave watches the game a lot more so he gets comes out with the more tactical side. But yeah, if you do want to use it Try and use the Pier 90. It's a brilliant tool. I do recommend using it. Yeah. Anyway, oh, sorry. One, one final thing. Can I just point out, as Jim has mentioned in the chat box, we all need to accept now that because Debushi has gone to Arsenal, he is officially the best right back in the <laughs> in world. The world. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing, while I'm on the topic of Arsenal, whoever is making them Myrtle <laughs> Shelney jerseys with 46 on the back, you really need to go in and jump into a tub of acid because it's just time to end it all. It's terrible. Murta Shelney, like, seriously. What is Sanchez wrong with your life? Sanchez is a gooner. Sanchez is a gooner, not a scouser. Yeah. Oh, dear. Body Christ, they're, they're a collection. Can, can I just say, while we're at Arsenal, the best thing ever has been the BT Sport advert. Oh, God. Do you know, and to make and it they even better. they made a Chelsea one. They made a Chelsea one. It's almost I'm, like they've I'm addicted to the music. and gone, the Arsenal fans didn't like and the this. Le- the letter from your man and he was so official and he had like banter in you know open brackets and everything and he's like I don't think it's fair and you know I, I'd really appreciate taking it down and they're like here's the second one <laughs> no, but you know when the music comes on the beat comes on I start jumping around and dancing now because I'm like yeah we're gonna get fucking Arsenal also <laughs> to oh it's good them last year as well didn't they yeah they just yeah. They so that's hammered. the next the next video uh, now is gonna uh, hopefully it'll be City hammering them Oh, like, be... that would really just shove it down the throats all that much more. Okay, we're bell end of the week to all Arsenal fans. Just you're all bell ends. Mate, oh, and to, to sorry to the Liverpool fans who've been tweeting Fabio Barini abuse because the guy uh, wants to stay in Liverpool and fight for his career. Like go fuck yourselves as well. You just you just arseholes. No, and to the chap that tweeted Lucas Hamilton to retire, you need to have a fucking word with yourself as yeah, well. Yeah, even um, we're not the be- just, we might not know, be the biggest fans, but have a bit of respect for the guy. Like, yeah, we might not be the biggest fans, but you don't do that. You don't do that, and I don't think you, you never tweet a you never tweet a player directly. In my opinion, unless it's something nice, you just don't tweet player. Don't tweet abusive players. You're just pathetic. Like, you, you just just tweet like if you want to say Lucas is crap, just say Lucas is crap. Don't tweet at Lucas. 
your crap. It's, it's just needless. Just fucking grow up and move on with yourselves. Like. Okay, so... Right, so we've had some fun at the expense of Arsenal, which is always good. And they're all bellends. So, let's move on to fullbacks. And Ryan, you haven't spoke for ages, mate. I know you were on the J-Troopers yesterday, so we're, we're not trying to push you to the, full, to the background. Really, we're not. You know, so, um, Ryan, we've been linked with Moreno and this other new guy whose name I cannot pronounce from Atletico. Your thoughts? And, and, and also, Ben Davis has gone to Spurs, who we were linked with earlier as well. Looked like we were going to match their... Well, there were rumours we were going to match their 10 million bid, but we didn't. So, your thoughts on, on the full-back side of things? Um, well, yeah, well, the thing about... Um, I go, I'm going to go at Manquillo, because that's what they say on... I, I use the old Spanish commentary when I'm playing FIFA because, you know, I think I like to spice it up a little, but I'm going to go with that one. But, I, you know, the one thing about it is that we're looking at a right back and just that alone is, is a positive for me. I mean, um, the, one of the last times I was on, we all had to make a list of who we wanted to bring in, three names that summer, and I think nearly every one of us had at least one right back on the list. So um, I'm not well equipped to say what I know about him. All I know is that I'm happy that we're going after a right back. Moreno, I still think we're going to get Moreno. Um, uh, I don't know who was saying it, but you know, there's not there is a reason why no one else is going in from, or we can hear we're not hearing that Madrid are going after him. Or I know there's sniffings about Atletico Madrid, uh, maybe after him. I don't know. I still think we'll get Moreno, and if he's the number one guy that we want, if he is the the left back that Rogers has said, I want him. I don't think he's going to stop until he gets him. Uh, ben Davis, yeah, I mean, I don't think Spurs have announced it, but there's been pictures released of him training. Uh, I know Jim isn't his biggest fan; he prefers Taylor. But you know, I mean, I've seen it. It happened again today with the with Manquillo. You know, the link and people like, oh, I can't believe you know you're all getting excited about another foreign Spanish name, another foreign right back, another foreign player just because he's not British. And I mean, that's just a silly argument. It's one. I tell you what, right? Why would I get excited about someone that I haven't seen? It's, you know, it's precisely that I haven't seen them, and if you hear good things about them, you know you're going to be like, oh, well, that that sounds all right. I'd be interested to see that. You know, I haven't seen the latest, I don't know, fucking Rise of the Planet Apes movie, and it could be great. And someone tells That's me amazing. it's great. It's amazing, mate. But there we go. Jim tells me it's great, so now I'm like, oh, I'm a bit excited to see that. I might go see it. But if I've already, you know, if I've been up close and I've seen these films before. Or if I've seen it already and I just don't really like it, you know, it doesn't matter what someone's telling me. I'm not going to go see it again. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's this idea that just because someone is British, we're automatically going to write them off. It's not about that. You know, if someone wanted John Stones or Mankilo, most would go with Stones because they've seen him and he's a decent player. If someone wants, I said it earlier on, you know, if you said, would you rather Markovic, would you rather Barkley? I'd say a lot would choose Barkley because it's not because he's not British or he is British. It's not because, he, you know, the nationality doesn't come into it. He's either good enough or he's not. So, I mean, Ben Davies, like, you know, he's a fine, you know, he's a grand player, you know. There's nothing ex- extraordinary about him. There's a lot of potential with Moreno. I've seen a bit of him and I've, I've went and watched him since and I like what he, I like the profile. I like the idea of the player that we're targeting. If there was a British one, go get him. But you're probably going to get fleeced and he doesn't exist at the moment, in my opinion. So, well, there, just, was, there was a British one, one there, Ryan. He's just gone to Man United for thirty million quid. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Luke Shaw, you've won. I mean, look at all the players in England. Who, what team can we buy from? And it is Southampton, Swansea, and the rest are all above us. And we're not going to get those. Well, they're not above us. But you know what I mean? They're in the same bracket between first and sixth. And we're not going to get them because they're not going to sell us to them or sell them to us. All the technical players are abroad because they're not. They're not coached in England. You know, we all know that there's a bit of a problem in that in that regard that players aren't as well equipped. I mean, it's improved in the last few years, but 
we're not going to get these players in England because they don't really exist. So I'm just kind of the idea like, oh, you're moaning now because he's English and oh, you didn't want Lana because he's not German. It's like, no, it's not about that. It's just, you know, it's a silly argument and I think it's just pointless. So I'm happy with just signing a right back. But if Mankilo looks like the only available option at the moment in what we're looking for, so I'm just glad that we're getting some fullbacks in. I'm excited about that and hopefully they'll come in and make a big difference. We're going to go to our Welsh correspondent for Anfield Index about this um, fullback situation, <laughs> especially with the fact that Ben Davis has gone to Spurs. And I know he wasn't your favourite fullback at Swansea, Jim. You've written about him, you've tweeted about him. Uh, Neil, Ta- Neil Taylor is your favourite. But um, yeah, let us know. What, what, what are your thoughts on the fullback situation? Obviously, the Ben Davis first, and then the other two that, are, that look like they're going to be joining in the next few weeks. Well, you know, don't get me wrong. I like Ben Davis. He's a good player. But he wouldn't have got in that Swansea side if, if Neil Taylor hadn't had that horrific injury. And I think that's one thing that people forget. It was a horrific leg break he had. His ankle, you know, didn't have a pre-season last season. Um, fair play to Davis. He played well. Swansea have just done a, an amazing deal. They've sold Ben Davis for £10 million or swapped him for Gilfie Sigurdsson. So they've got rid of, um, in my opinion, the second best left back at the club. And replaced him with an attacking midfielder who will replace Michu um, and, and do great for them. You know, so, so fair play to Swansea for that deal. Neil Taylor, we could have had him last season. We could have had him in January for you know, anywhere up to five million quid. He would come in, do a, a great job for us. I am certain of it. Uh, Mankilo, first I heard about him was today. I've done some research. I've had a quick uh, scan online, see what people are writing about him. Looked into his background. I said on Twitter earlier, he smacks of Alvaro Arbeloa to me. Solid defensively. Nobody's heard of him. Everyone's thinking, who is he? What's he going to do? If he comes in, he's half as good as Arbeloa. Happy days. This right back link has come out, well, come out with the blue, haven't it? All we've been talking about is left back, left back, left back. This guy's going to come in, I think, was it a 12 or an 18 month loan with the option to buy? I think it's a cracking idea. Takes the Takes the pressure off the club in terms of spending money, and if if you only have to, if we're looking to sort of finance the deal for Moreno and go up for another two million, another two million to get the deal done, then yeah, I think you know he, he is he, he's the top guy out there, Moreno. So you know you can settle for Taylor if you want to do that, and then go and spend the money somewhere else. Personally, I think you know spend the extra, go and get Moreno. He, he's the top guy. So, Dave, um, do you have much to add to that? I'm sure you do. I always have stuff to add. <laughs> um, on the left-back thing, I, I fully agree with Jim. For me, Neil Taylor's a better left-back. He's, he's much better defensively than Ben Davis. Davis is, is, is okay going forward. He's really, really poor defensively for me. Um, Neil Taylor, he, Davis would never have got a look in at Swansea if Taylor hadn't had that. That, that is one of the worst... Like he broke his leg and he dislocated his ankle at the same time, or broke his foot and dislocated his ankle. Then, but either way, it was horrific. Like he had two really bad injuries in one, and as Jim said, got no preseason last year, so was trying to play himself back into fitness. Uh, ben Davies had one. I think he's actually had two of the worst performances I've ever seen at Anfield uh, from any visiting fullback. They were just appalling. But you know, he's got talent. This idea that he's Luke Shaw without the hype, though, is just. It's for idiots. Like that, just does does nothing in that. That's basically shite. Like so, don't even listen to people that tell you that. Um, I I've seen Manquillo. Look, Manquillo's only played seventeen first team games. Um, 
but he, but he's played 17 first team games. This is not some like there's some people saying he's only played five or six. He's not. He's played 17. He would have played a lot more, but he had a pretty serious neck injury in February, uh, where he did a really good impression of an accordion. You'll find that on YouTube if you want to go and look it up. It's it's pretty nasty. Um, the the kid is quality. He really is. We tried to sign this guy in January. I'm amazed that you know everybody's shocked that that we're going for this guy. We tried to sign him in January and almost had him signed, and then Atletico wanted to put in a buyback clause at the last minute, so it, it fell apart. But uh, Jim's right. He's he's very like Arbeloa. He's a defense first fullback. Aspilicueta is probably the, the closest to him in the Premier League now in terms of. You know he's really good. He's really good on the ball. So don't think he's just a defender. It's going to hoof it down the field. Um, but he is. He's a really solid defender. He reads the game well. Tackles well. He's quick. He's strong. Um, he's actually played a little bit of centre back as well. Um, underage for Spain. I don't know how regularly. I only saw him play there once. But you know he, he can do that. But um, th- this is this is a good signing for us. Ricardo Rodriguez will always be the one we should buy at left back because he's in the top three left backs in the world for my money and we could have him now because he is available but it seems we're set on Marino that's fair enough Marino's very talented he's going to be a really good player if we can get the two of them in like that's that's our fullback spot sorted for the next 10 years maybe you know and then you've got the likes of Flano backing up for the short term long term McLaughlin and Smith will come in and back them up We'll be set. And the thing that, not to beat the lover and drum again, but Manquillo, a new right set of centre back, Sacco Marino, is the makings of a brilliant defence that could grow together, especially especially with Emery Chan sitting in front. Um, looks like we're just going to fuck that up by paying for dross. But I digress. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm really happy with Manquillo. Um, I will be happy with Marino if we get him. Even if we have to pay that little bit. It's funny, this thing, about people saying, oh, you're getting all excited about a fella you've rarely seen or hasn't played all that much. The same people who are saying that, and I won't name them because I won't want to embarrass them, these are the same people that were saying we should sign Callum Chambers. You know, pay £10 million for Callum Chambers to play right back. Callum Chambers is a midfielder who got stuck playing out of position for a while. He's not going to play right back next year. He's a midfielder. He'll be back in midfield. He's He's terrible defensively as well, so... You know, if Manquilla was English and had played for Southampton, the the masturbation that would be taking place would be absolutely stunning. Kleenex would be having record reports of sales because it would just be ridiculous. Um, people would really like this guy, especially if they liked the likes of Arbeloa and Finnan and Rob Jones, who you know were really strong defenders and could offer something going forward. Okay, great chat, guys, on the fullbacks. I think <clears throat> I've I've not watched much of them, but any of these players play much. But from my point of view. Um, they've got to be an upgrade of what we had last season. And those did, <laughs> did you see that John Ritchie tweeted something like, uh, I, I, just just after it came out, obviously John probably just did a quick scan and saw that he'd only played like I think the six league games because the rest were European and, and then cup games. And John tweeted like uh, something something along the lines of, I'm not really sure what to say about this kid. He's only played six games. Don't know much about him. Blah blah blah. And one guy just re- replied. Well, he's not Glenn Johnson, and that's good enough. 
the fact that he's not Glenn Johnson is now good enough <laughs> for everybody. It could be. Yeah, but you see day. his follow-up tweet though, Dave. No, John said <laughs> people don't want anyone except Glenn Johnson. Maybe they'd be happy if I played right back. That's right. <laughs> to, to, to which I replied, I don't think gangs will give you the time off. <laughs> True enough. True enough. Oh, okay. I want to. I know Jim's pushed for time here. He's got. He's busy tomorrow. But I just want to go on to um, something about the pre-season games for Liverpool and what we like to see in pre-season is hunger and a couple of young lads have come back from um, their holidays and they have been immense in pre-season and one of them is our little man Phil Coutinho and the other is Jordan Ivey and I've, I've got to say I've been impressed with both what I've seen of Coutinho to be honest is that step up that I'm looking for in a player I, I, I wanted to see you know, your star man's gone, Luis Suarez is gone, it's time for these boys to step up. The, the guys like um, Sturridge put his part, played his part last season, so if he does the same, I'm happy. But <clears throat> someone like Sterling and um, Henderson and Coutinho and Ibe, if you can come through like Sterling did, these are the type of players we want to push on and, and, and add that extra 20-30% in if they can. And Coutinho this, I mean, I know the opposition's not been great, but they're normally, you know, they're not, normally when you come into pre-season, you're not as sharp. But Jim... Phil has he's got a point to prove with being dropped from that Brazil squad and you know and his mate's gone obviously he would have been I think Suarez called him like his kid you know at times when he last season when he joined especially so I think um Phil might just step up this year even further and he's looking amazing yeah it's a mockery isn't it of of that Brazil squad that that he can't get in it you know I mean he had a wonderful season last season and he's looking like it's the natural progression for him, isn't it? I think I think what we're looking at with him is he's been with us for 18 months now, and I think this is the season where everyone will sit back and think, wow, Liverpool have got someone on their hands. Almost like Suarez did. You know, he had 18 months with us, took a while to settle in, took a while to get the best out of him, the style of play. I think the more that he plays centrally in a midfield three, uh, the, the better he'll get as well. I think that's his ideal position. I know we've mentioned it before, Dave's mentioned it before, we've all spoken about it. That's his best position, especially in a, a midfield three as opposed to a diamond, personally. I think it, it allows him a bit more freedom and it also takes off, takes away from... He, I think he feels a bit of pressure when he plays in the number 10 to either find that slide rule pass or a shot. As we know, his shooting is not the best at the moment. That is one area where he can work on. But when he's got that ball and he controls it and he just controls the tempo and the game runs through him... You know, he's, he's, he's top class, isn't he? And I think, I think we're in for a treat with him this season. I really do. It's the dribbling as well, though. He was This last few games in, in pre-season, he's just dribbling so much better and the ball's sticking to him better. And... The, st- the strength of him, Gags. Oh, God, he's stronger strong now. Game, he looks better. It's, Dave talked about it a lot last season. He moved into that, that uh, deeper role in, the, in midfield. And he's got the ability to, to, to intercept and then just carve them open. I'm sorry to keep going in about that BT Sport ad in Arsenal, but that interception from um, Wilshire and then to play Sturridge in one-on-one, it was, I called it, um, I can't remember what it was, per, per, perfection or something. In, per, I don't know what it was, but I call it something, uh, a perfection in anticipation. That was it. Um, uh, Coutinho in, uh, in anticipated the pass from Wiltshire. Sturridge anticipated the pass from Coutinho. Coutinho anticipated the, the run from Sturridge. It was perfection in anticipation. That's correct. And um, any thoughts on I before we, before I'm going to let you go, Jim? I know you're busy. Yeah, I, 
you know, he impressed me last preseason. Uh, he went off on loan. He was a little bit hit and miss. I don't think we did him any favours with the clubs we sent him to on loan. But you know, I think Derby would have been great for him last season, especially when McLaren took over. Um, do you know what? If he could have gone somewhere under Roberto Martinez, I think it would have been fantastic. But we were never going to send him to Everton. Um, Shamrock Rovers. He came. He came in. Didn't he? Looked amazing. You know, look, look. He's really got a bit between his teeth. To me, he looks like he's ready to play first team football. Um, I think he should stay. The again, the loan market, unless he's going to go somewhere where somebody plays him similarly to what Rogers could do, I think he's better off staying. I don't see what we've got to lose by keeping him with the first team squad, training him on, playing him in the cup games, having him on the bench for some games. Uh, you know, he's ready to go. I, I think he's there. I think he's he's first team squad material now. That's great stuff. Thanks a lot, Jim. And if you do go, um, thanks for coming on today and. Great, great, great having you back on the show, mate. No worries, guys. I am going to shoot. So okay. Thank enjoy you. Enjoy the rest much. of the night. Cheers for having me on. Good talk. Cheers, good chat, man. guys. Yeah, Cheers, Dave. Cheers, Ryan. Bye. Right, Ryan. So back to you with this. Um, Coutinho <clears throat> and uh, IB. Very impressive so far. Your your thoughts on on both of them? Yeah, Phil Coutinho. I'm I'm really really excited to watch again this year. I know a lot of people, you know, put forward his. Um, inconsistency but I you know I think he'll grow out of that I mean most like he was absolutely critical in nearly every big game we played last year bar I think Arsenal away maybe and I I don't even know if he was playing and that was he still injured then I'm not sure I think he was back but then I'm not 100% on that one but besides that I mean he was man of the match in like the Arsenal and the Everton games uh he scored against City twice you know, home and away. Like he's a big game player. He's never afraid to back out of anything. You know, for such a flair player with so much skill, and you know, you look at Eden Hazard. You know, in the World Cup for Belgium, it was in the game against them. Um, it was Ger- they played Germany, was it? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was. I'm not sure, but he, you know, he was he was non-existent in that game. Um, whatever I can't remember which one it was now, but it was the game that Belgium went out anyway. Argentina. I yeah, Argentina. Sorry, it was Argentina, and um, it was one of the World Cup finalists. So it was halfway there, but he was non-existent. I mean, it was it was a, like one of the top you know twenty, thirty players in the world, and he was just non-existent. But Coutinho's not like that. He's not afraid to get in. He was you know battling Yaya Toure, battling Moussa Dembele, like these players who were nearly a foot taller than him practically. Um, I'm really. I think he's gonna have a big year, and I, I think people have. They're already saying, you know, yeah, Lalan is better than him. That's not a dig against Lalana. I just. I think Coutinho is just gonna have a massive year, and I think he's settled into that central midfield position now. He's gotten used to it, and I think he's gonna show a lot of people that you know, like last year we thought, you know, if Suarez, it looked more likely Suarez was gonna go last year. Of course, he stayed, but we a lot of said, you know, just keep your eye on Coutinho and. I think we probably expected too much last year, and he he was inconsistent. But at the same time, when he when he turned it on, like he was absolutely the game against Sunderland uh, at home, Gags. You were at that game, and he he was just the best player on the pitch that night. But I was sitting by a mile. I was sitting in the front row yeah. of um of the main stand, and he was right in front of us. The ball came over his head, yeah, and he's just pinged the ball down on his foot. It stopped dead, and the whole stand behind me gasped. Yeah. Just because of just the the touch, 
He's incredible. He I is. Think... He and he bossed that game. By the way, he, he was the best player on that on he the is. pitch. There was Suarez was playing. Sturridge was there, but Coutinho was the best player on the pitch at the end of the season. He was he was firing. He was really playing mm. well. And and, and 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 sorry to cut you off, but I do no, think no, I just I do think the additions to the squad now in Lalana and Markovic, and then you've got Chan, who's going to take a midfield spot. Then he's he's now competing with all these players in his main roles. He can mm. play ten. He can play wide left. He can play the eight role. So now he's got he's got an extra player in each position to fight, and that 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 I mean, Dave, coming to you, it's, that's got to be one of the reasons also why he's stepping up because he knows there's competition this year in in his positions, especially. I think he should. I, if I was him, I'd take it as a slap in the face that Rogers went and spent all that money on on Lalana because you know, fair enough. I hear people say Lalana's better than than Coutinho, but he's just not and. It goes back to what we were talking earlier on, Gags, about that squawk metric. Um, if if you look at the per minute totals, Coutinho's season is just more impressive than Lalana's by far, especially from a creative point of view. Like his clear cut chance creation, chances per minute, assists, etc., etc., all far, um, you know, far better than Lalana. So. He should take that as a slap in the face. The fact that is Lalana can't play his best position anyway, so he shouldn't really be worried unless Rogers is just having a mental day and decides to put him there. Coutinho's biggest competition is going to be Emery Chan if if Rogers wants to bring him in to make the midfield more solid. Um, but I see. I thought Coutinho had a great season last year. Now, yes, there was some games where he wasn't great or whatever, but. People forget this kid's only twenty one years of age. Like he's he's still only a really young guy, and he was learning new things about the game last year because Rogers was asking him to do far more defensive work. When we signed Coutinho, he had a reputation as been a little bit lazy on the pitch because he'd been played in attacking roles and basically been told like just wait till you get the ball and don't worry about it. Like we'll do the rest. So when Rogers put him in next to Jared and Henderson in that midfield three. Because he was having to do so much running to help cover for Stevie and cover back for, for Flanagan at, at left full, he was taken away from the attacking side of things. And then in the second half of the season, kind of when we played Everton and Arsenal, a few of those games, we saw him start to understand that role and really flourish in it. And what you were talking about earlier on, Gags, his dribbling, his dribbling is so much better from that deep role because he's getting the ball facing the way he's going. He's not having to turn on it and figure things out and have players charge at him and try and close him down. He's able to pick his spots and basically target, you know, the people he, he wants to <laughs> to go by and embarrass. Like you mentioned the um <clears throat> the assists for Sturridge in that Arsenal game. But for me the highlight of that game is where he wins the ball just outside our penalty area, beats a man Gives a little shimmy, rolls the ball with his studs, leaves Jack Wilshire just standing gawping and takes off and plays an absolute peach of a pass with the outside of his right foot, which just curls perfectly into Jordan Henderson's path. If Henderson had hit that first time and buried in the top corner, it was the goal of the season because what Coutinho did in that was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I'm, I think he's going to have a huge year. He's my bet for Young Player of the Year this year. I, I think he's he's unbelievable. And I think he's he's going to be special for us this year. Anybody who thinks he's not part of our best eleven for me is on severe medication. Um, I think he's one of our three three or four best players. 
Um, Jordan Ibe has looked brilliant in pre-season. I agree with Jim. Birmingham was a strange loan. Um, although, to be fair, they had... You know, actually, no, take that fairness away from them. They had Nathan Redmond the year before, who's similar enough to Ibe, not as talented, but they basically ruined his development for about two years. So, uh, yeah, that was a strange place to send him. And if Ibe is going on low, I would actually rather see him go abroad to Spain or Germany or France or Italy and learn a more technical side of the game. He like For defenders, I think it's better for defenders or players who need to adapt to the physicality. I think it's better for them to play in the Premier League. But for someone like I, I just think if he's going on loan, he might benefit more from playing in a more technical league. Ideally, someone like Benfica, actually. Like if he would be perfect for them and how they develop attacking players like we'll see with Markovic. Um I think you're spot on, Gags. Those two have been brilliant. I think Rossiter looked really good as well, uh, when he played. A little bit disappointing that both Chan and Alori picked up injuries because for me that was what I was really looking forward to was seeing both of them play. And unfortunately both of them got injured. But apparently Chan is now tra- back in training and rumours are Lori will travel to America next week. So, you know, maybe they'll both get to play in the American tour. Um, it'd be really good if we did get to see uh, Lori and Sacco play together and just see how that works, um, especially before the Lovren deal done, gets done. Just see how that works and maybe Brendan might change his mind. Oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. I jumped over to Dave without um, asking about Jordan Ivey or Eve or however we could pronounce his name. Yeah, well, that's fine, guys. Um, we all know Dave. Dave Hennig is just a poor man's Ryan McTrippy. But um, no, I'm only messing. But uh, <laughs> uh, now listen, now listen, young man. Trent Dirty made you sick. I uh, withdraw <laughs> your right to breathe. <laughs> I have a septic head here. Be the fuck. <laughs> and um, Jordan Ibe, he um, he's such a great talent. I mean, like I said, um, the Shamrock Rovers game, as Jim mentioned. You know, he was absolutely fantastic in that game. And he played a wide left and he came into the number 10. Um, I always envisioned I going forward into the number 9 position. I always thought, he, you know, he, I always thought he had the strength. I mean, he's kind of got a similar, well, not really, build to kind of uh, Aguero in, in terms of his height and stuff. But Aguero is very strong and he's got huge calves as well. But anyway, I, I, th- I thought Ibe could maybe end up as a 9, as a forward. But, you know, he's got so much pace, it almost seems like... Maybe it'd be wasted out there, and then obviously we're we're signing a uh, Divock Origi, and I was under the impression that he played wide forward, but he in turn seems that he's more of a number nine, according to what a lot of people said to me, and you know I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But you know what, I don't know whether Ibe is going to go like the thing with Origi coming in next year is that I well look it's a different topic, but look Jordan Ibe, I think he's going to be. I was just contemplating why we were signing Orji, but I think Ibe is going to be, you know, absolutely, you know, a superstar for us. And if you have, you know, Sterling and Ibe in together in the same team, I mean, one, it's just the pace alone is going to rip teams apart. But I think Sterling's vision and hopefully he can develop that side of his game and the two of them could end up forming a really incredible partnership if it clicks. And that could carry over to the national team with a crack coach. I mean, when I actually sit down and think about Ibe and Sterling together, it's a tiny bit. And then add in Markovic to that as well. And then, of course, Origi, if that works out, you know, like that's... It's a young, it's a young, Jesus. blistering, blistering 
pace, attack. And, Crazy. and I think the only thing that both Coutinho and I need to work on is their finishing. I mean, that's what we've seen from preseason. I know we're praising them, but uh, uh, <laughs> Ivy has missed a couple of sitters, to be fair. Yeah, he <laughs> but has, uh, but yeah, he's, he's yeah. young. He's so young. But, and, but he's created all the goals. Every yeah. single goal have been, has been created by if Jordan. We, if we go so, back a year, Gags, I mean, we're probably saying the same thing about Sterling that he needs to work on his finish. And, you yes. Know, Agreed. That that progressed, and I think I think Ibe is actually a year to the day younger than Sterling. So, in a year, we could be looking at Ibe in the same way we're now looking at Raheem Sterling, which is just a frightening thought. Now, just for for the the people who are listening to this before they go to bed and you know want a little bit of assistance to get some things working, just have a little thought about this: a midfield, a two a four two three one with Can and Coutinho in the central midfield as a double pivot. Lazar Markovic is the 10, Ivan Sterling wide, and Sturridge up front. Just imagine how good that team would be to watch. Especially Where's Lallana? Where's Lallana, Dave, you fucking idiot? He, he's, he's gone on loan <laughs> to, to mid-table mediocrity. Oh, um, don't be unfair. No, he, he's on the bench. He's on the bench. He's there if I need him, but... He's, he's he's certainly he's certainly not in it. He's, the babe, he's the babe station. He's the babe station. He's got Pornhub there in the first <laughs> so, We'll sign an awful lot of pretty boys this summer, though. Really, aren't we? Like Lalan is a pretty boy. Markovic is a pretty boy. Chan is a pretty boy. Lovren is a pretty boy. We're balancing it out with with Marino because he he looks he's half, a bit scarred, he, he, looks, yeah. he looks half traveler that fella. He looks um, like he's grown up on the guy in the under eighteen hurling team. Yeah, exactly. Like, he looks like he's big Joe Joyce's long lost nephew or something. I'm good. And we're signing a man called Divock, which is just fantastic. Divock, we've got what a name. <laughs> we've got to wrap this up, guys. But before we go, I just want to say thanks for uh, coming on. It's been a it's been a nightmare day for the pod in terms of getting it together, but you guys saved it really with Jimbo. So um, a couple of things happening. And we've got this, obviously, you're listening to this right now. We've got the Norwegian pod tomorrow. So when you listen to this, the next day, that'll be released the same week. And then we've got the Indian the Indian AI podcast also this week. So it's podcast galore. That'll, that'll wrap up the week for this week. Next week, we have uh, myself um, going to the LFC tour. So I'm traveling over there. And I don't think there'll be many pods from the guys, the regular guys. It'll be me and fans me and uh, for, for certain we've got the editor of the AI podcast Johnny he's going to be on uh, with me recording in Chicago and then with me will in New York will be Steve Gennaro who's the host of the AI podcast Canada so yeah we're going to be on the shows we're going to be recording some specials out there there'll be plenty of content don't worry the Tompkins Times back next week as well so they'll be they'll be um, recording so you've got something to look forward to with that but and also the articles, the, the the articles on the site, um, lots going up. Really good job by all by the whole team. So uh, keep that going. Live of birds. Um, I just want to actually say thank you for last week. Um, we were number two in iTunes last week for um, the whole blimmin' week, pretty much. And I just want to say thanks first of all to the ladies, the live of birds, um, um, Ray, Kosher, um, Enzo, Nina did a great job. Swore their asses off. But they were brilliant. Um, and then we followed that up with the Tompkins Times. Paul Tompkins' debut on a podcast with Daniel Rhodes, Bob Pierce, and Chris Rowland. 
absolutely excellent. Really enjoyed that something different. And they obviously gave it the push. And then we had the interview with Tony Evans, who said a lot of nice stuff about what we're doing in Anfield Index also. And it was an excellent podcast, to be fair. And, and all three of them combined pushed us to where we were so thank you very much for all those guys involved and thanks a lot to all the guys from the international pods because uh, Sweden were obviously also the last one last week and they pushed it too so um, everybody who's been involved so far in this international pod thing it's been brilliant and finally we're going to go to Dave I just have one quick plug I would like to plug Apple products take your Microsoft stuff and throw it away <laughs> Take your Skype, your Windows, <laughs> everything, and just throw it away. Burn it. All of it. Bill Gates. <laughs> Sir, I hate you. <laughs> and that is all. And being a big Apple fan, I think we're going to end it there. But thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Dave and Jim. I will see you next week when I'm in the good old USA. Have a good day. 